On this fifth Sunday of Lent, the dark clouds and the chill of death fill the context of our worship. The hour is arriving. It's like the numbness that falls over those who stand at the bedside as a special relationship is about to end. The stark prophecy of Jesus, which Peter so grossly denied and objected to at Caesarea Philippi, is now about to unfold. The Son of Man is about to undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and be executed. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has been vigilant about being in concert with his appointed time. When his mother told him at Cana of Galilee that he needed to help with the wine shortage, Jesus begged off by telling her, my hour has not yet come. When his brothers are skeptical of his words and actions and want him to go to the festival, Jesus tells them, my time has not yet fully come. And beginning today, everything has changed. The leaders have just complained that the world has gone after him. And then in the very next verse, John tells us that some Greeks came on the scene seeking to see Jesus. In this brief interaction, Jesus receives the sign of signs, the sign that his time to be glorified has come. It is the sign that his life work has not been in vain, that Jesus indeed has not been sent not only to be the savior of the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but indeed to be the savior of the world. When I am lifted up from the earth, he says, I will draw all people to myself. Often called God-fearers, these Greeks had no doubt heard about Jesus. They had gotten word about his teachings, or they heard about his extraordinary healing powers. But what probably really got their attention was hearing about Jesus raising Lazarus only days earlier. You see, there was nothing in Greek philosophy or the multiple layer forms of religious activities that would have been comparable for them. You see, what really attracts and interests and captivates people in the world is power. Who lords it over whom? Who calls the shots? In the boardroom, the classroom, the courtroom, who imposes his or her will or agenda, and who goes away sorrowful and empty-handed. If you don't think that the issue of power captivates people, go home and read the front page of today's paper, because it's all about power and power shortages and power struggles. A former Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, called power the ultimate aphrodisiac. What should startle us as we head into this most sacred time of the Christian year 
is what the late Robert Capon called the left-handed use of power by Jesus in a way that will draw all people to himself. We are accustomed to right-handed power, power that is based on Teddy Roosevelt's famous dictum, speak softly and carry a big stick. But Jesus will save the world by dying for it, undergoing ghastly, unimaginable suffering. He will not be a charismatic, convincing political leader. He will not be a decorated war hero. He will not rule by winning. He will win by losing. He will be to the contrary, the eerie example of what the prophet Isaiah had seen in the suffering servant centuries before. Jesus will reign by and through his utter defeat and abject powerlessness. What St. Paul meant by Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The questions that haunt me, the questions that haunt us as we move into the final stages of the Paschal mystery is are we, are we weak enough to be agents of the Lamb? Are we weak enough, not powerful enough, to be vulnerable in love? Are we weak enough to become like that which we touch and swallow the Lord's body? Are we weak enough to let our hearts be troubled or even broken by taking on suffering for the sake of another? Are we weak enough to trust in God's wisdom and grace without trying to control the outcome even if it means experiencing inner anguish. These are the questions that lead us into the mystery of Holy Week. In reflecting on them as we retell the story of his suffering, death, and resurrection, we will see and experience one of the great ironies of a blessed life. It is the irony. It is not our weakness that inhibits the power and presence of God. No, it's our strengths that get in the way of the power and presence of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.